Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Knock, knock. Who's there? Yoda lady. Yoda lady who? Mate, stop <laughs> yodeling. I'm trying to do a fucking joke. <laughs> Better. Better than your last one, which was so long ago. He laughed before the punchline. So that he saw it coming, be. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, yeah. I've walked into this. Absolutely. I can't believe we are, what, more than 100 episodes in, and this is the first interactive joke we've done. Yeah, I think so. Is I'd, it? Yeah, well, we I feel wow. like there's been at least... Well, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, there's some that are like a question, but before we've even been able to answer it. Or it's like, I don't know. But that was actually interactive. No, yeah. I, I was required. Right? And interestingly, you, you knew straight away where it was going. Absolutely. So I feel like that is... Something I'm gonna, you know, you know how I've learned what jokes you like. Yes. Obviously, last week I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the format. That's interesting going into the new year. Maybe there'll be more interactive ones on the horizon. Oh, well, I'm no messing about. That's a ten. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yes. What a way to bounce back! I loved it. Oh I loved man, it. that is. Yeah. I did not think I was going to be a ten. Amazing. Sorry for the colourful language after, but you know, yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. yeah. But um, brilliant. But, I mean. That oh, got we don't the, need to say anything. That we got can... a celebration from Monty. That yeah. was so good. Monty the dog. We're, we're doing another one live in person, and uh, Monty the dog is here. Hello, mate. I know. A 10 out of 10. He's happy. I'm he's happy. happy. He's licking your foot. He, he is. Which is he's... universal dog language for well done. Yeah. Now he's going to come over to Bretto. He's looking at it. Bretto's laughing. He's like, I need to know, understand. He's very involved in this episode, is the dog right now. So, yes. um, well, we should crack on. Mm. That's the highest. That's the highest high I'm going to have, probably, for the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the final Pad Hoc edition of 2023. I had to just remind myself what year it was before, <laughs> before we leave this and year. And the name of the show, by the sounds of it. <laughs> and what an edition is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you wanted the word episode and couldn't find it. People, so. people, people who are listening obviously can't see, but Barretto made a very dramatic shift in how he was sitting before he sat there. He kind of leant back on the sofa that we were on. Uh, and just added to the whole to the whole amusement of that of that start. Yeah, so. because I'm just relaxing because I feel very relaxed because of course I'm with Meadows, I'm with Nate, I'm with myself, <laughs> and you're with yourself, <laughs> oh, mate. You're having an absolute mess. I know. Don't have you have you drunk too much over Christmas? Yeah, that must be what's happened. Obviously, just days and days of boozing. I mean, you could see that kind of mile off, couldn't you? You could have called that even before <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was yeah, going to drink yeah. too much. So yeah, true. Wow. Out of the three of us, I think you're the famous, hey, that's famous Monty. drinker. Monty's not happy about <laughs> it. He's <laughs> behind it. Monty's pretty disappointed yeah. that I'm not giving him any attention. He's confused by the way you're, you've positioned yourself, I think. He's like, this is strange. I, I look too relaxed. You are too sofa. relaxed, yeah. yeah. He's, he's kicking back on myself. I'm I'm a bit worried about how relaxed you look. Yeah. I mean, I'm, but I, you're, I'm both, actually, you're both. I'm actually sat on the L part of this of the sofa, <laughs> so I feel very I'm going to take a photo while we're doing this. But yeah. hang on, the L part? Which part is the L part? Surely the whole thing is well, an L thing, sofa. You know what no? I mean? Like the L, if, if, without this bit, it's an I, isn't it? This is the L oh, part. Spe- yeah, but without your, my bit is an I. Without my bit is just a dash <laughs> on the bottom of an I. This is the content that <laughs> yeah. our listeners People, people have turned off in droves at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, I've just um, I've just taken a photo of 
how casual you both look. And Nate's pointing at his crotch. <laughs> so, <laughs> just I'm pointing at the L, which That's is not I'm going to use. Which is not the name I give my crotch. That just is clarified. <laughs> that, 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 oh. that is that is the sofa. Just to clarify. I want to get that out. I want to get that out of the you know out of the room. What are we doing here, lads? Well, what, boys, the... how was your Christmas? Christmas was fantastic. <laughs> Lots of fun was had. Lots of presents. Yeah. Um, joy, festive, festive season. A lot of festivities. <laughs> you must have been uh, delighted with slash very disappointed with <laughs> delete is appropriate. The uh, result for Ipswich on Boxing Day. It was a big game, and honestly, it was a big result for one of the two teams. <laughs> Who Ipswich either did or didn't uh, go top of the league. Uh, actually, no, I don't think there was any. I mean, I knew that. Before the game, I saw on Boxing Day, um, <laughs> but we're back in contention, or 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 we've squandered a big chance, uh, potentially. How about you? How was the Oval game you went to on Boxing Day? Diabolical. I can put that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> anyway, you asked what we're doing here, Lawrence. What are we doing here? Well, we've made it to the end of the year, so well done. We have. Uh, there's been some highs. <laughs> I hope um, we have. <laughs> <laughs> there's been some lows. But this is, of course, award season. We've had the FIA Gala event. The big event. We've had uh, BBC Sports Personality of the Year in the UK. Herbs. Over here. Props to Mary Earps, yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought it was only right and fair that we have the inaugural, because I don't think we've done this before, the inaugural Paddock Awards. Yeah. Will next year's be the augural? Or do we, <laughs> do we, how, does it, how does it work from that point? Out or just becomes the second one, doesn't it? <laughs> the second, the second run in of the this, this is probably about the third lot. We just don't remember, do we? I don't remember <laughs> anything we've done for a long time. <laughs> I, I really can't. <laughs> anyway, that sounds great. What's the first award? What should we? The first award to debate is the best non-max driver of the year. That's a good one. I like that because everyone. Oh, I was, was... going to pick Chilton, so that's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. Quick, in Formula quick caveat, One, for absolute clarity. Someone who's annoyed. Max is mega this year. Unbelievable. That's why we're not going to talk about him at length because it's boring. Well, it's just, but it's also <laughs> just that's what it is, right? Yeah, he was brilliant. And, and, and fair play to it. him. Everyone's done it, and yeah, it's great. You know, but we're going to do something different. Yeah, and it's not just us that say stuff like this, is it? Like, I think Lewis at the FIA Gala talked about what a great year Max has had and how well he performed and how few mistakes he makes. And like all those topics, all those comments come from peers as well. So we're not just being harsh by saying we're ignoring him, but we're ignoring him. Yeah. Okay, Nate, I'm going to throw to you first. Um, so I have two, but I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to save one for you guys, maybe. I'm going to say Fernando. Um... I know it's weighted maybe more to the start of the year when he had that mega start, but he had eight podiums, I think, across the year, six of them early on. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, you know, I'm a big fan of Fernando Alonso, um, and it was just so good seeing him back at the, at the kind of the front end. I know he wasn't winning races, but... Could have won Monaco, though, couldn't he? Yeah, and you look, back at, you look back at that, and the team, and, and, and it is that classic case, isn't it, of a team that maybe hasn't been in those situations much yeah. before. <laughs> you saw it with McLaren and Sochi in 21. A team that I know they just won the race before that, but they, their brains weren't trained to how do we react quickly to these kind of moments. But Alonso was fantastic. He was and, phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, like the fight with Perez in Brazil was just unbelievable. But I think what was great about it, we've had so many new fans to Formula One and everyone's always spoken so highly of Fernando. And I know people saw at Alpine in 21 how good he was, but this was like, look how good he is, you know, in, a, in the second best car. And there was that tantalizing point in the season where we did think maybe if Aston can kick on, they can win a race, and they didn't. So I don't know whether that will happen next year because it seems like Aston did drop quite a bit down the order. Um, but yeah, it was great. And if that is kind of the high point of his point at Aston, I'm hoping it's not. 
I'm glad we got to see it because it was awesome. So I'd, I'd say, I'd say comfortably Fernando. And I also think that Fernando's changed in the face of Formula One in the sense that obviously he's into the 40s now. Yeah. And he's kind of shown that actually experience is more important to teams. And we've this is the first time ever that we're going to have the same grid from 2023 into 2024. And it just shows that teams are kind of pushing on and believing in experience. And what he's done this year, considering he had those couple of years out, like I, I, I always laugh at Fernando when he does every race and he goes, that was my best race ever or this was yeah. my yeah. best and performance he, he ever. he said that a lot this year. We've made fun of him. And we have. And I will continue to make fun of him because I find it hilarious. But genuinely what he's doing is brilliant. He... he destroyed Lance Stroll his teammate yeah. Aston Martin the, the gap between the po- points between them was huge what he did with that car at the early on obviously it was about the second best wasn't it but it got worse and he was still pulling performances out of it and then when it got better towards the end of the year he was the one who was getting the performances out of it so I was properly impressed with him as well does that mean you're picking him for your no I've got someone different okay I've got Lando Norris have you yeah I well, don't know if that was, was I don't... My, Lando was my second so. you said clearly Fernando Nate, you went clearly. Well, so Lando, slight on Lando. Well, no, more of a slight on, I would say, well, I suppose Aston did drop off. I'm more thinking that start of the year when McLaren just weren't there. But again, that's not Lando's fault, right? Exactly. Um, We're not saying team of the year here. That's a no, different that's... category. I don't <laughs> that. um, that's true. So, well, it, shut my mouth. You've, 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 you've bought your ticket. You knew what you're getting into. <laughs> onto uh, onto Bratos. Yeah, I just think uh, Lando had six second places, I think, and seven podiums in total. Was the only one who probably fought Max on pure performance for for race wins, even if it was for a few stints over the course of the year. I think that he dealt well with the pressure of having Oscar Piastri highly rated next to him. I think he dealt well with the fact the car was terrible at the start of the year, could have thrown his toys out the pram. I thought that when the car was good, he got the most out of it. And he single-handedly, well, nearly single-handedly, uh, gave them P4 in the, in the Constructors' mm. Championship. Could have won, could have won a race this year. Still hasn't, obviously, won that race, and I wonder whether that will start to put more pressure on him, kind of going forward if it doesn't happen anytime soon. And it probably would have irked him that Piastri got that sprint. I know it's not a proper win, but he got that sprint win, mm. didn't he? And, and kind of got that first one under his belt. But I just thought what he did this year was brilliant, and we talked a lot about how he can be a future world champion. I just thought what he did this year just showed that yeah, he will be eventually when he gets that kind of uh, when he gets the quality of the machinery under him. Well, this fits nicely because I get to choose between what you two have gone with. Oh, so you haven't got someone different? No, I haven't. Because otherwise that would be rubbish, wouldn't it? If I had to just pick my like third choice. Uh, <laughs> these two were my second and third choices behind Max Verstappen for Driver of the Year when I did the F1 writers on thing. So I think that shows that we kind of know what we're talking about. Well, right? That shows if we're just kind how good of... we are at our jobs. <laughs> uh, we're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, all three of us. Um, I have but... a shout out. After yours, I want to, but, but go, yeah, go for but it. I just want to actually add some context as well for anyone who's seen the photo I put up of how relaxed these guys are on the sofa. Is that uh, the contributor, I don't know what to call you guys then, um, who picked the Aston Martin driver is wearing green. The contributor <laughs> oh, that yeah. picked the McLaren driver is wearing a kind of a yellowy, orangey... Papaya. Cut. Yeah, closer to that. Close to papaya. Um, I'm wearing black. Uh, but I'm so going for Pirelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one every race. Uh, <laughs> Fernando for me. Yeah, uh, nice. And I tell you why, actually. So agree with everything you guys have said on on both fronts. And yeah, for some of Fernando's performances, the one that sealed it for me in like in terms of a performance from a driver was his one in Brazil. Yeah. Was the moment Perez got past him, I thought that's it. Like he'd done such a brilliant job to hold him off for so long. But then I was like, it's just not gonna. He's not going to continue that. He's like, no, Perez is in a quicker car. He's now ahead. 
that's it, job done. So for the fact that Fernando somehow found a way back past uh, and held on again to the line as well was just sensational. I think that was, yeah, one of his, genuinely one of his best performances because of the <laughs> deficit in the car and the way he had to be so clever because that's a track you can overtake at in Telagos. It's not like it was, you know, a Monaco defence or even the Imola one against Schumacher. He said it himself afterwards. He thought that was easier to do because no one had DRS. It's like, true, but then now you kind of have DRS to get back past someone <coughs> or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, you can look at it both ways, but Imola as a track isn't that easy to overtake on. It's very hard to overtake on, uh, certainly without DRS. So that kind of made it easier for him to keep Schumacher at bay compared to what he then managed to do with, with the Perez thing. But long-winded answer is normal for me, was yeah. um, that with Lando, dare I say it, I think just to a few too many mistakes. I was going to say that. Especially in qualifying, just a few too many. I felt he was being too harsh on himself, beating himself up when he kept pointing them out, but he did make lots of smaller ones where a front row start or maybe even a pole was on offer and he ended up a fifth or a sixth because, and there was a track limits one twice, wasn't it, in Qatar. Uh, Abu Dhabi made the mistake in the final sector. I, I feel like there's more as well that he, he brought up. So I, those little things were just the small things that you didn't really see from Alonso, mm. certainly not in competitive sessions. Um, that is why Alonso gets it for me. And that's, I think that's the big thing. The longer Norris goes without that win, the bigger that narrative is going to get about, like, can he do it? Obviously, we had Sochi, which was kind of 21, which was kind of that McLaren mistake. But you're right, Qatar, you mentioned the Piastri winning the sprint. I reckon that's Lando. If he doesn't make the mistake in qualifying, that's, you know, he was, Piastri was great this year, but you could see Lando is the quicker of the two at this point, between the two of them. And then Abu Dhabi, I think he hinted that he felt he could have challenged for the win. With, without that mistake so there are some there are some bits to his overall racecraft that he just needs to he just needs to sort out but you know what I think that kind of thing happens when you've got a car that isn't quite good enough to be the best and so he yeah. was essentially overdriving it wasn't he and he was pushing a bit too hard and I guess when he smelt that pole was on the cards or that he could get a really strong result he pushed a little bit too hard but to be honest if I was his team boss I wouldn't really care that much if he was pushing and going for it because he w- he ultimately would have ground out a lot of the good results because of that style of driving it was just so it happens on a couple of occasions he kind of made those mistakes I agree he's got to cut them out next year for sure yeah but and we are being we are being uber critical of a guy that we still think was one of the best it's like what's the phrase yeah. um clutching it clutching Straw. at straws we're looking we're looking for pimples on Miss America mm. was a good phrase I heard once you know the overall, the overall product was great. It's just t- small, tiny things. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah. or in this case, Miss Britain, Miss Great Britain, Miss UK. What would she be? Miss Paddock. Miss Paddock. Oh, Mr. Paddock. <laughs> Mr. Paddock. Miss, yeah. Well, we're in the house of Mr. Mr. Paddock. Uh, Jess is Miss Paddock, but or Mrs. Paddock. You guys should change your names. Chris, <laughs> I don't Paddock. know where this is going. No, I don't say. Let's don't move either. on to where <laughs> your honourable mention was going to be. I was just quickly going to shout out Alex Albon. I don't think he was quite up there with those two, but I think if you look at the car he had, and you look at what he did this year. And, and he obliterated Sargent across the season. Might say something about Sargent, you know, as a, as a driver. But I think I think Albon is a superstar, and I think that I think come next. You mentioned about the um, the grid being the same this year to next. I think he's hot property. I think every team's going to be looking at a way to get him. You know, year. yeah. Talking to team principals like off record about who did well and who didn't do well. His name is the one that comes up yeah. the most often, same which here. I think is a remarkable feet considering where he was Red Bull got rid of him he genuinely thought his career was over people had a quite negative opinion rather than no opinion they had a quite negative opinion mm. the way he handled things so the way that he's turned things around I think is pretty phenomenal and yeah I think he is properly hot property isn't he going forward hot, hot property nice I agree, I agree with that by the way um, just to throw it back to the, the feet you clearly both read that when I had to I had to pick the, top, the drivers in top five order 
And Max obviously was number one. Then it was Fernando. Then it was Lando. Can you guess number four? Because Alex is number five. Lewis. Yeah, Lewis at four. Yeah, Lewis had a good year. Lewis yeah. had a great year. But again, th- so this is interesting, isn't it? With Lewis, because he didn't win a race. You're like, oh, he didn't win a race again. But the, the expectation with Lewis is so high. I think it's the way the season ended as well. Actually. Yeah, he had yeah, a bit of a messy was... end to the season. Yeah, um, but he was in the fight for PT, wasn't he, for a long yeah, period of time. Yeah. Being a Red Bull would have been pretty impressive. And Massively. without that disqualification in Austin, was it? Yeah. yeah. For the floor, yeah. when he would finish second. It was a great um, drive from him as well. Exactly. They, that and Mexico, I thought, were pretty good. And he got that pole. So he finally got a pole. But in Hungary? Yeah. Yeah, really good So luck. there were some high points in the season yep. way. And he got back, got, kind of got back on top in terms of the teammate battle, didn't he? So he kind of had the edge over George this year. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. No, well, I was going to mention something, but I know we're going to do moment of the year. So I'll, I'll save it. Oh, go on then. Well, Is that the next go, one? Well, let's go to moment of the year. We'll, <laughs> we'll skip ahead. Nate? Well, it... it, it, it Popped into my head when you said that. But for me, when he got pole in Hungary, I was in the mix zone. So for people listening, when at the end of a session, we'll run down to where the TV pen is. We're kind of off to one side. And you're watching on the screen. We being print media. Sorry, yeah, we being print media. And um, we're kind of crammed into... And it was boiling hot that day, I remember. We all sat there just sweating like crazy. And we were watching. And Lewis, you could see the times. And we've got a screen there. But obviously, you can hear the noise of the fans. The noise when he got pole, you know, for a second... Being at Hungary, which there's a lot of Red Bull fans there... It was really loud, and I remember that bit. I, I remember thinking, like, are we like it sounded like we could have been at Silverstone, you know, in that in, in that same way. So um, maybe not my moment of the year, but it just stands out as a memorable one. I've also just forgotten what my moment of the year was going to be. So <laughs> maybe if you guys go round, classic come, next, come back to me. Um, well, I'll circle um round and say that my moment of the year, pretty classic, really, is Singapore. Mm. I thought having a there was such a craving for a non Red Bull yeah. to win. That I think, frankly, anyone who who could win, people would be happy with. But I think what was good about Singapore was it was a proper battle, wasn't it? All the way to the end. You had four drivers. Um, was it Lando and both Mercedes? Yeah, because George yeah, and You had three all the way to the end. You yeah. had four until half a lap. Until yeah. George, yeah. And I just think that kind of racing, that shows how good Formula 1 is at the minute if you were to take Red Bull away in terms of the level of competitiveness yeah. that we've got. And I just thought on a track like that where... Oh, that was... I let Monty go outside and look what <laughs> happens. Um, he just doesn't agree with you that it's No, clearly. He disagrees with my moment in time. So, yeah, that's my moment. Uh, Carlos winning in uh, Singapore. Just a really great... And also the celebrations on the fr- on the terrace of the Frymote home right at the end. Like, it was it was great, of course, watching when you know, Max win because of what he was doing. But, like, to see another team who'd worked so hard get something out of it, I think it was just really nice to see. And you know Carlos well, so you know that must have been nice to see. To see, yeah, exactly. So I know there's a little bit of a bias there, no, but like fine. it was nice to see that. So biased. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time, I feel like he gets overshadowed by Charles, even though arguably for much of this year, I think he's been the better of the Ferrari drivers. Agree on that. Yeah, um, same. And that was really impressive from him. We talked about Fernando's racecraft in Brazil. The way he won that race was doing similar, wasn't it? it was using the slower corners to back Lando up. I thought really smart win, like bringing those other guys in as well. You know, in the way he did, I thought it was really, really smart. Yeah, it's like a clever, like Alan Prost, like thinking his way to a race win. Yeah, kind of using what you've got around you, knowing maybe you're not the ultimate fastest, but knowing this might be your only chance to win, and having the head space to think about all of that. And even the team at one point didn't realise what he was trying to say or what he was trying to suggest yeah. with the DRS and bringing them into into that. Um, I thought it was really, really impressive. It, it was good. The one thing that why I kind of then lent more towards the Alonso stuff being so impressive was how much easier it is to overtake in Brazil than it is in Singapore. Like he was using the situation he had brilliantly, 
but that situation is partly because at Singapore you can do that. And I'm I'm still not sure there's that every driver would have had the same thought or quite as quickly. No, I don't think they would um, them. They're, they're all intelligent guys, but yeah, I think the way that, like you say, because Ferrari didn't see it playing out that way, and I think it took a little while, but Lando said the same. Lando said he realised that that's what Carlos was doing, and it was another reason why he didn't really like throw it down the inside at some point, because he's kind of like, well, I'm actually being helped here. I'm keep staying second, second because, yeah. He, yeah, the way he's playing this race, so it benefits me for us to stick in this position too. So it all it all did work out like very smartly that was yeah that was impressive um and that was nice to have a bit of variety but at the same time by that point in the year genuinely i think i was starting to lean to wouldn't it be incredible to see someone win all of them because there was no yeah. there was no jeopardy in terms of like the championship or anything like that at that point if it had been much earlier absolutely because you want it just to prolong things and for that reason i did want it i wanted it to i didn't want the title title to be won in a qatar sprint race I wanted it to be later. I thought somewhere, like even the Grand Prix, but then if you get to like Austin or Mexico or Brazil where you have such great atmospheres, I thought that'd be better for it to get wrapped up in. And when it was Qatar Sprint, you're like, oh, so I guess really, if they'd have just let Max win that race, it would have been in Japan. It would have been better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, the funny thing is when, when, when Max got the 10 in a row in Monza, Singapore was the next race, wasn't it? Mm. So I think him getting that record made everyone think, you know what? Like, I remember leaving Monza being like, they've got it. I knew We knew Singapore was going to be maybe a weaker point. But I, I was the same as you. By leaving, it was only Monza when I was like, this A is going to happen. All year I was like, it'd be pretty cool if they did do it. From a Just from a purely dominant point of view, it was we knew it was going to be a dull season. So yeah, I'm with you on that. But then when, when you actually see signs win, your brain suddenly goes, no, actually, that's that's way yeah. better than one guy winning everything. And it also shows how hard it is for someone to win everything. Like yeah. You just have that one. That's the thing. If we get a year in future where someone tries gets close to doing it again i was gonna say tries they're always trying but yeah if it if it nearly happens again in as much as it is boring we don't want to see that sort of level of dominance if you are seeing it to recognize how unique it is if someone does win or win them all or come so close um i think that's one of the things where it was hard to kind of always get that message across to some people that actually Look, yeah, this isn't, no one would pick it to be this boring. We'd want it to be far more interesting and a proper fight. But um, what you are seeing is unique, at least. So you've got to take that in because there'll be a point in a year or two. Also, I always say it's these years that make you then really, really cherish the ones that are really competitive because you're like, oh, I remember when we sat through that 2023 season and mm. only one win was non-Red Bull. Uh, when you get a proper fight, it's like, great. Which is kind of what happened when Red Bull came and challenged Merck, wasn't it? Um, but now we really want that to change next year, but. So who have you both picked a moment now? <clears throat> yeah. Well, no. Well, I, I I just mentioned a moment that popped into my head. Oh, my, yes, I didn't sorry. mention my moment. Sorry. Go. Did you pick yours? Nope. No. I'm trying to remember one. So I'm I'm drawn between the Perez Alonso fight, which was amazing. But I am because we haven't spoken much about Max. So I'm going to use this. His lap in Monaco was oh yeah special for pole, and it was one of those moments where you just had to shake your head and be like, this guy is just on another level at the moment. You know, Alonso had it, and I remember being like. The headline's written, Alonso back on pole. You know, if you're on pole in Monaco, what a chance to win. And then that final sector, you, you're convinced. You're like, well, he's, put it, he's, he's just hit the wall. He has to have done. And then he somehow carries on, gets pole. I, I thought that was one of the genuine, like, oh, my God, moments of the year. I think it was also, it was a bit soul-crushing in the fact that you realised this guy is just going to dominate. Because Perez had obviously had that crash earlier in that session or earlier that day. So, but Perez was still kind of loosely in at that point. We didn't really realize the tail off he was going to have. But from a from a point of view of just how impressive that was, that was top tier. 
And I think at the time, it was so long ago, I almost forgot how impressed I was by it. But yeah, I've got a, I've almost got to put that above the Pe- Perez Alonso was great, and that might be your one. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Max getting that, it was just, and when you see the onboards as well, and you see it's that final sector, it's kind of through the swing pool, Raska, and then that when he kind of almost drives along the wall to the start finish line, it's just a guy completely in sync with his car. And for people who don't really like the Sunday spectacle in Monaco, it was also a great case of how good is qualifying in Monaco? Oh, yeah. Spectacular. One of the best days of the season and capped off by one of the great laps he's ever done, I think. So, yeah, I think I'll probably just go with Perez Alonso. Yeah, and it's it's tough. I can see it like that is more recent and it was more entertaining. It was a great moment, though. Well. That was a but great yeah. moment. But yeah. then as a specific moment, another one that was cool, really cool, Um because there's one that's well I'll, I'll do two kind of caveat backup ones then so one was like a more generic thing was probably when Norris took the lead at the start of the British Grand Prix mm. and one the noise from it but two the fact that it actually was part of showing actually McLaren are quick properly quick now mm. but they this mm. isn't just a oh Austria suited them or they're getting a bit lucky right or now decent qualifying yeah. Search. yeah and yeah. obviously at the time you still weren't convinced you need to see a few more tracks but it looking back you know that was mm. like a real symbol of this is how competitive they are they can qualify in the front row they can take the lead they can hold off a red ball for a f- fair few laps at the start of the race um that was that was exciting that was a big moment i thought um but also the clerks overtake on perez on the final lap in vegas Oh, yeah. Because the way yeah, Red Bull yeah. were playing it and Max was, you know, Perez had just been done the, the race before as well on the final lap uh, by Fernando. But then the way Red Bull were playing it, Max was backing up to try and give Perez a bit of a toe so that it would help him defend. They they knew that they were under threat, but also it looked, he was a long way back, Leclerc going to that corner, but he was, he was within range. But it's one of those where you want to see a driver go for it, not turn around and be like, oh, it would have been risky. I might have taken us both out. And he left it to the last possible second before throwing it down the inside. And he was under pressure out the next corner, but he, you know, he got, got over the line. And the fact that I built, you'd seen you know, that fight between all three of them all race. And so many, was it 13 lead changes, I think, in that race? Like, it was brilliant. And that was a big max win. He made mistakes in it. It's why I don't think it is his best, but it was one where he had to fight for that win yeah. and actually come back from you know, a penalty and further back. And then when Checo finally got uh, Leclerc and there'd been moments where I think Ferrari thought they were going to win the race and they weren't, but for him to snatch second in that way, but like kind of, it was just hard fought for everyone. Every position there was hard fought. And yeah, that move I thought was a mega way to end that race as well. And I think Charles was driving really, like that weekend he was great. And you're right about science this year, I think actually was really raised his game. You felt in Vegas, especially, he was. I know he realised he wasn't going to win, I guess in those final laps. But that move was someone like, I still want to show everyone like what I, I can am, do. Yeah, what I can do. Like, don't, you know, no one's going to forget about Charles Leclerc, like one of the best drivers on the grid. But it did feel like a kind of, you know, I'm, you know, don't, don't write me off anytime soon. Mm. So, yeah, that, that was a good. But, so, which, which are you actually picking? I think I'm going to pick the Alonso Perez one still. Yeah, um, I just think the way I didn't, it was still unexpected. Uh, and it was just a thrilling fight between the two of them all the way through. So, I'll go with that one. Yeah, it was 10 out of 10. What are the other uh, topics we have on our awards? Okay, so the next one, which I haven't told you about, is Unsung Hero. Oh, wow. Okay. Have you got any immediate thoughts? Nate for his dropping a massive bollock at the Red Bull Christmas (laughs) lunch. (laughs) You have to listen to our last episode. Doesn't get enough credit, really, but that was one of the highlights of the year for me. Thanks, mate. No, I appreciate it. That nearly got moment of the year for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I was surprised neither of you brought it up, to be honest with you. Um, 
uh, answer, you put me on the spot. I don't. May, I mean, maybe Albon would have gone in there unsung, but I think he was sung. I think mm. was, I think he was sung quite often, you know, <laughs> through the year. I think um, Yuki Sonoda for me. I think he had a really yeah. Good that's year. a really good chant. Like Yuki. he essentially he he definitely saw off Nick DeVries. I think well, he quite was, literally saw it. Like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was evenly. I still think he did a good job against Lawson, even though Lawson probably had the better run of results when they were teammates. And then actually, I think he's done really well against Daniel as well. Yeah. So in a year where it's been pretty challenging, he's been the actual near consistent kind of driver scoring. And also, I think he scored three in the last five, three times yeah. in the last five races. So he was the one who really gave them a shot of fighting um, Williams for P7. Well, yeah. the talk... The talk- Oh, I was going to say, Daniel had the big result in Mexico, didn't he? That everyone then was like, wow, that's put them in the fight. But you're right, the consistency from Yuki. And I'm pretty sure I saw that across his three teammates, he beat them all, like on the average results and gaps and things. And they got smaller each time. So in a sense, you could say Red Bull were making the right decisions because um, the gap was biggest to the Vries on average. It was smaller to Lawson, but it actually was bigger on average still. And the thing was, Lawson was very impressive, but we looked at it in the lens of it's a rookie coming in. You weren't expecting him to go and beat Yuki. Yeah. Um, and then with Daniel, it was the smallest one. So Daniel coming back was giving him the hardest time. But again, you know, he had to deal with the, the injury. He was coming back mid-season as well. Um, so I think, in a sense, fair play, Red Bull actually kind of, you can understand why they made the calls they did. Uh, but similarly, yeah, Yuki, very, very impressive to do, to do that. I agree with that. Especially if the title is unsung hero, because you think about Alpha Tari's season, the narrative all year was De Vries, then yeah. it was Danny Rick coming back, Danny Rick breaking a bone in his hand, Lawson, Danny Rick's back again. It was very rarely about Yuki. And even when <clears throat> even when there was speculation of is Perez going to last the season, Yuki's name was never mentioned. No. Now, I know from what we hear, it does seem very unlikely that Red Bull would pick Yuki. It just it does seem like that's not a direction they would go in. But that in itself is kind of weird because Yuki has had a mega season. And I think a lot of the doubts people had about him over the past couple of seasons about where his head's at, I think you still get glimpses of that, but it does seem like he's becoming a much more rounded driver. And I actually think, we mentioned Albon, it'll be interesting to see where Yuki is when when Honda come back, especially with Aston, um, but kind of where his name is, is at, because I think you're going to get a quick driver there. And out of that Red Bull program, he might really thrive, I don't know. I, I feel like he's one of the guys, a bit like Gasly and Albon, who would, not that he's not thriving now, but I feel like he'd go out and really excel, a bit like how Sainz did as well. They went out, forged his own path and his and his you know his career's flourished since then so yeah that's a really i, I would i would i would go with sonoda i'm gonna throw a controversial one in there another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That if I had to pick a different one, that I, I say is certainly an option, but I'm not sure everyone's going to agree on this. I'm going to say Zach Brown. Okay. I'll tell you why, for unsung, because 
Stella's done a brilliant job, and mm. I think he's incredible. And like, I, I, I just think he's been. I, I, I would have called him it, and I was like, no, I think uh, hopefully people have recognised and seen and heard from him and said what a great yeah, job I he's think... done. I think of Brown over the last eighteen months in particular, but he dropped Ricardo for Piastri mm-hmm. and took all the flack he had to take in August September time over that. Um, and people still were as much as I think you know time is a bit of a healer going into the new year. It was like he, Piastri's got to deliver, and if not, you know. Brown's in trouble. Then it was how bad the car was at the start of the year, uh, and the car was bad, but also the changes they made, and it almost looked knee jerk. And it was the fact they were going back to a previous kind of setup they had. They kind of had moved away from it as a technical setup and then gone back. And you think, have they got a clear direction? It, looked, it looked a bit indecisive to be Yeah, with, like it? almost yeah. like finger pointing. I remember writing a column being like, he's going to run out of excuses here if this doesn't work, because yeah. it's like, oh, it's someone else's fault. It's someone else's fault. And fair play. They have worked. He's honestly analysed things and been like, this is the right move to make. This is the right one. Even when they're not fully popular and look at where McLaren are at with the lineup they have and with the season they ended up having where they finished. He said in Bahrain, the target was to finish with the fourth quickest car. Um, yeah, and, he's, and he said, maybe not able to get there in terms of points because where we're starting from, but that's, that's our target and we're going to stick to that. We're not going to revise that. And instead, they comfortably really got to... I know Aston had a shot at the final race, but realistically... The way McLaren had performed, it was fairly comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of feel like that's as an overall decision-making kind of year he's had, or eighteen months. Uh, I think that maybe does get a bit overlooked because you then just focus on like Piastri doing a brilliant job, uh, Stella doing a brilliant job, and it's like they've been <clears> empowered <throat> by Brown actually making those calls. So that's why I'd say undersung. But he's also done other things wrong that I think maybe means that I don't know if I can give it to him. Maybe, but I get what you mean as well because I always feel like if somebody cops flack when things are going badly, you've got to then flip it around and give them credit when you it's going be, right. Yeah, and absolutely. ultimately, the bug stops at the very top, doesn't it? And mm. he has made those calls. What's really interesting with McLaren, just a quick tangent, is I wonder in a few years' time, whatever how, whatever they achieve, the moment that Andreas Seidel got poached by Audi and Alpha, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah uh, well, Sauber, I think is going to go down as a huge moment for McLaren because I think even though Seidel's very well respected, I just don't think he was the right fit for Brown I think he realised that last year so Seidel leaving almost gave Brown that chance to hit the reset button and say right we've gone through some difficult years now like you said like Meadows like this is it now I have to get this right but he had in his head like this is the clear blueprint forward he's got the driving pairs I think um, Stella Stella just seems fantastic at that job really really perfect for that team Um, so yeah I think probably a candidate and yeah I think that it's important to give people credit when you know, when on the flip side, like this time last year, we would have been criticising Brown for some of the way, you know, just where McLaren was at. So I think it's fair to, to turn it around now. I'm also going to throw the Williams golf livery in as unsung hero. I thought it was lovely. That was good. But it's been, the problem is McLaren did it. Like almost. Yeah, exactly but that's the why they didn't do the classic retro. They did their own modern yeah, twist on it. I suppose. I quite liked it. I, um, and I, I love, I love one-off livery, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock it. Mm. My favourite one-off livery is the Avatari one in Las Vegas. That was a two-off, wasn't it? Okay. I like Sorry. the. So was the golf one, though. Yeah, three, three races for that. One. I like the Ferrari, you know, with the with the uh, white. Yeah, with the white and the black. That was yeah. very cool. That was, and also that the Monza one when they did the yellow. As a tribute yeah. to winning Le Mans. Yeah, that was, that very was cool. cool. The, the Alpha uns- was cool there. The Unsung t- hero is whoever allowed these livery changes yes. to happen. Yes, that's true. Yeah, because a few Boom. years ago they just wouldn't. You couldn't tweak anything. Yeah. Could you? So yeah. Okay, right, let's move on to our final award. And we've just renamed it after the last podcast. It's the Clangham of the Year Award. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who who would like to go first? I can go. I think just there's, it's a general clangor, but I think Alpine just dropped a clangor throughout the year. Um, 
that team has not had any stability for a long, long time. They've changed, you know, there's just a revolving door of team bosses. Otmar's left. We've had Brivio has just left recently. Um, Fry left. Fry left, yeah. I chose to leave. That's it. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. I'm like, I know there's more. And it was a weird year for them because we had that glitzy launch at the start of the year where they rolled out Zinedine Zidane. And that, for me, was actually quite telling for the year that has followed because this year, the whole narrative off track has been, look at all these fancy sponsors we're bringing in. We're bringing in McElroy. We're bringing in Mahomes. We're bringing in Kelsey. And while that's cool and impressive and they've got money coming in, I do feel like it's them putting a Band-Aid over a problem that is much, much bigger than that. It's almost like they're trying to use a bit of celebrity star power to detract from the fact that really... Alpine still to this day I don't know what the purpose of them in Formula 1 is you know it doesn't seem to have any direction you talk like we just talked about McLaren McLaren now you know they're on the right path they've they've hit some difficult years boom 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 and that's that's not come from stability that's actually come from a lot of upheaval but Stella has been it's a promotion from within still with with Alpine you just don't know where they're going so the biggest clangor wasn't them sacking Otmar but I think it's just that they've let themselves get to this point where they're just sort of flapping around in the breeze and I don't really know what they what they follow. I don't know if that counts for clangor. That was better if we'd had a different word that you know maybe a word like shambles or something. Well, um, <laughs> you wanted to use it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I did change it. The you last did change minute, it. So I, really I was know. thinking shambles of the year, but well, but I still think it is a clangor though. They entered the year thinking that they could take the next step and yeah. fight into the top three. And instead, Aston did it at the start, and then yeah. McLaren. Basically, every team that introduced a big upgrade took a big step. Yeah, Alpine just never did it. So um, I think that's fair. I was trying to think. Alan Pomain obviously left. Pomain as well. Yeah, Pomain as well. So that's the thing. How crazy is that? That like the names. There's like a logjam. There's five names. Rossi. There. Did you said Rossi. Ro- yeah. I didn't say Rossi. Yeah. So Rossi, Rossi left. Um, so that's six people, and all of them key roles. And you know, Otmar. They they said to him, "You're going to have a hundred races." You know, Otmar might not have been the right person for that job. But if you're going to imp- employ someone and then say you've got hundred races, you've got to give that person the time or you've got to not say you're going to have 100 races. You're going to say, well, look, you've got a, you've got a one year to prove yourself or two years. And as much as Otmar's reputation is maybe just like, okay, well, you know, he he kind of, you know, he came in, took a lot of flack for a lot of things and then left. I don't know what he was, a guy like that's supposed to do. It feels Alpine and not in terms of, in terms of the past, but they feel a little bit like Manchester United in the sense that they keep sacking managers at Manchester United and they're going to sack Ten Hag. Sorry again for you American listeners that don't follow soccer. Soccer. What um, if they already have? But well, yeah, exactly. But this point, but I mean, that's true. I mean, they, they may or may not have done <laughs> by New Year's. New Year's, exactly. As we are definitely filming it after Christmas. Uh, recording this after Christmas. Um, recording. We're not recording. <laughs> Wait, I'm, just in case anyone's I waiting keep looking for at the that, video. Uh, at that red light over there on Madison's TV. Um, but it feels like the problem, and I, I guess that's part of where they're what they're looking at, because literally everyone has been sacked this year. But clearly, there's a problem with the overall direction of the team and what Luca De Maio, right at the top, wants from Alpine. Like, it, just renaming them Alpine, for one thing, was weird. It's like, well, what are you... Are you moving away from Renault? That's, you know, I know what they were trying to do internally, trying to build that brand up, but it's like, okay, well, they haven't really... They haven't stepped on with it. So all these changes, I think, that Alpine coming into next season, I'm quite fascinated to see, A, if they can go a whole year without all that upheaval behind the scenes, but also all this investment and stuff coming in is that going to have a tangible impact on the team? I'm not because we're in a cost cap era now, so you can get as much investment in as you want. I know it helps overall, but unless you're actually doing something qualitative with that money, I don't see how it's how it's going to impact them in the in the long term. Sorry, long answer, but that well, they've also given up 24 percent of the team for that. So in a sense, it's like yeah. being bought off them. I I don't know what they're doing with that money, but it could well have been that Renault were like, well, that's us making a return on our own investment in the team. 
That's so true. we're we're pocketing that money, and now you are stakeholders in it. Uh, rather, I'm sure there's terms that say that it needs spending on certain stuff, but I, there's no guarantee of that. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah that, I can I can see the argument. I agree with you on the Otmar situation as well. I mean, had a bit of a run in with him about writing after Lauren Rossi's comments in Miami about basically yes. writings on the wall here because when have you heard a boss talk about their you know, like a CEO talk about a manager or whatever like this and then survive it in sporting terms uh, and it clearly was on the wall but the the problem was like he right Otmar rightfully was like but it's not fair on me it's like well, it's not but this is this is it's out there the, yeah and this is clearly yeah. the impression within you know, the team is impatient Just, they're not giving you a fair chance but that there's nothing here that says you're going to get a fair chance now and yeah. that was clearly the case and he ended up walking for it just remind people what Rossi said before Miami so Rossi basically was like you know um, the buck stops with Otmar the team hasn't been performing yeah. well enough um, and all major decisions have to end with him uh, the guy that did that interview I'm trying to remember who it was <laughs> um, little known name yeah. Um, so, almost so Bretto could probably it's explain a bit tip better. Tip my tongue. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I remember that weekend. I remember how furious Laurent was at the time. I think he was just generally furious at the situation the team were in. Do you remember they'd made a load of mistakes up until that point in Miami? They, they dropped so many points even then. Yeah, and you know some of them were quite trivial, like screws were tightened. It was like Baku, it was, wasn't it? The race before, and they had it. huge issues there, and ended up like with a big upgrade and nothing working. And Part of that is probably the pressure that his management were putting on him, that he was getting furious that the, his employees and Otmar reporting to him wasn't doing the job that he perceived, or it's just passing that on, isn't it? But I think, I remember we were chatting inside the hospitality unit and Otmar came over and was serving food. And Laurent serving food? Sorry. Things are really dire. He was taking food from like the open buffet. And sometimes when you're having that kind of conversation... The person you're talking to might like lower their voice. He did remotely lower his voice. Like at this point in time, and he'd he was seen, like, he'd seen not my comment. Yeah, he was like, "This is it. I'm annoyed. I'm saying this." Yeah. He called the team amateurs, or the mistakes he was said were amateurish. He was really, really tough, specifically about the job that Omar d- did that Meadows was just talking about. Um, and I remember thinking, "Oh, this is like really, really punchy." And then nothing happened, do you remember, for like yeah. several races. Like and Omar the, just, I mean, you know, uh, the poor guy in a way, he just had to, the, the, it was Belgium, wasn't it? We had to, the, he like, walked. Yeah. yeah. He walked. And I remember being part of a, like, we walked out of the paddock as he was going to the press conference. And to, and he was just kind of, and then he had that whole presser where he was just being, he got sure. every question under the sun. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, you're right. It took that, like, it dragged that late into the year. But also that race after Miami, they got a podium. Do you remember? Oh, got a podium. And I was yeah. just like, this yeah. is just, it was just such a bizarre turn of events because obviously internally things were going to crank on in the in the mindset of this team is not doing the job that they should be doing. Yeah. But publicly, everyone's going, this guy's just called this team are amateurs and they've just gone and got a podium. So, mm. like, it's very, it was just a really, ju- it was just a juxtaposition. Well, Sam thought it was after Spa, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Spa was before the so, break. So, so from that's it. So when Otmar went, they then got the podium with Gasly and Zambor. Yeah. So it was yeah. kind of weird that year how it went because every time they were at their lowest point, kind of publicly, one of their drivers would go and score pretty two pretty good podiums. Well, it was, and it was the sprint, wasn't it? It was Gasly third in the sprint in Spa. Yes. Um, right. So like they had, yeah, you're right. Like the big results came in tandem with the chaos. And it was only, in a sense, it was only just over two months between Miami and Otmar and Pemain leaving. Yeah. But you're right, it was clearly kind of teed up that something was going to happen and the thing was i was then told was that it was meant to be bruno Faman was going to come in and take over and then that didn't happen because then rossi went first mm. and then Faman came in in rossi's kind of role and then and then removed the people that or kind of 
allowed the people that he was meant to replace that Rossi to leave. To replace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He let them go too. So kind of followed through with what Rossi was going to do anyway. And then put himself as interim team principal, said after Spa, like on the Sunday, like the search starts now for our new team principal. Then when we spoke to him in Abu Dhabi, he's saying like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite enjoying this. I'm happy here. And unless my bosses tell me I've got to stand aside, I'm, I'm going to carry on. There's no pressure. Well, there's no real need to find a team principal when I'm doing this job. So he basically said, well, I'm actually going to be the team principal now. And kind of like you say, Nate, like there's zero like coherence to that and That's like it. plan or obvious direction to it. Whereas with the McLaren example, it was chaotic, but Brown knew what he was doing. He made very, he's very clear. Brown, yeah. Brown, yeah. And, and he's exp- yeah. when you talk to him off or on record, he explains it so well. He's like, okay, even two years ago, here's what I realized was happening, blah, blah, blah. And you can see like, He's got to this point through a bit of chaos, but with Alpine, you're right. Like the, you're just like, what is happening behind the scenes? And I'm not sure they even know. So going into next year, I'm not sure if Famine will be in the same role in 12 months' time. Who knows? Because they've had what? They've had Budkowski. They had Otmar for a year and a bit. And then on, they've lost, also lost Fernando and, and Piastri yeah. over the past two years. So it's, it's on the driver's side as well. They've lost people. Right. For Klanger, from my end, I'm going with... I was going to go with FP1 Las Vegas. And I'll tell you why I was going to call that clanger was because of the narrative around how brilliant everything was going to be and how in your face it was <laughs> that this was the best thing ever. And the thing was, like, I, th- I don't know if this is, when people talk about it, kind of like that was a bit of a US approach compared to maybe a British approach, which is a bit more humble um, and almost self-deprecating until you do well and then being boastful, whereas the US are much more confident. But, you know, in the same outcome, it's just the way you talk. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think from our point of view, you're thinking, well, just don't don't force it to us that it's going to be the best thing ever until it is. And then and then we'll say it is if it's something that's really good. But if at this point it's not yet and you, you have huge promises and then something goes wrong, you're going to get hit hard for that. Yeah. Like you can't, I think the flack was fair they got for that. Yeah. Um, but again, as we, we've said in previous episodes, that they've recovered well. So for that reason, it doesn't get Biggest Clanger for me. Biggest Clanger goes to the FIA for the statement it put out uh, about oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. conflicts well, of interest and the like, which um, was just the fact that it so quickly was then closed off uh, and an investigation didn't fully take place and that, you know, obviously there's all the speculation and names came out and, and how that all played out, um, but with zero repercussions internally in terms of, oh yeah, something needs addressing here. Um, from what I'm kind of told, it sounds like the FIA then looked at, you know, a document that was the FOM compliance kind of um, rules and how they manage these situations and went yeah okay that works it's like well you could have done that long before any statement needed to come out that's it that you just look at it when you saw this media report and go uh, it doesn't matter it's fine like based on this so yeah I th- to me that's a huge clanger because I don't actually criticise the FIA for looking into something like that especially if anyone raised it because they that's just that, that is the, I think it's that's good. good that they're doing that yeah that's that they've yeah. got to cover their backs in a sense or whenever anyone complains about anything it's their duty to look into it even if it you know they're not the ones that instigate it they have to just go mm all right, we'll just make sure there's no issue here. There's not, you know, they might well even go into it like, of course, there's not going to be an issue, but we have to do it. It's our job. And that's fine. But the fact that they, yeah, publicly put the statement out, made a big story of it at the time, and then had to backtrack so much um, in such a damaging way, I think that's getting biggest clangor for me. It was also just such an example of an F1, F1 silliness at its, at its best, because, yeah, the statement was ridiculous. And I don't know whether, like everyone framed it as if it was aimed at Susie. I always read it more into it was aimed at, it was a shot at Toto, yeah. But it's still a, it's still a, a shot at both of them and the relationship and the power that that's definitely that Toto wields. But also then like the you know the internal chatter that we all had, the you know the briefings about it, the fact the teams all got on the same page, did the same statement. There's so much 
beneath the surface there politically. And I know, sorry, I'm not, I'm not looking at you to get an F1 statement, Lawrence. But like, it was also just kind of like a, it was like, guys, just, just have a rest for us. Like, just go. It's the end of the season. Switch your laptops, laptops off, and just let's stop all this stupid stuff. Because ultimately, there were a lot of agendas within that as well, both within the what the FAA did, making it public, and then in the way F1 rallied around and responded. There's, and we can maybe get into this at some point next year. But you know, there's, there's tension there between those two bodies, and yeah. That part of it, I completely agree it was a clanger. But it was also just like, it was just one of these, every time there was a press release, I was like, oh my word, can these guys just stop doing this? Maybe that's just me. But it did, it felt, it just felt a bit, it felt all a bit silly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about it in January by the sounds of it. Okay, well, I'm going to just wrap it up by saying, I'm not sure if this qualifies as a clanger, but when Haas introduced their upgrade faster, oh, yeah. and everyone was pretty excited about it, Gene put his own money in, high single figures, and it was arguably worse than the car that they had beforehand. Yeah. And this is a team that that was pretty much their only upgrade of the season, yeah, really. Yeah, they've ever done as and well. they kept saying to us, didn't they? And Austin, 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 Austin. Yeah, and it kind of... I know it's difficult because when someone asks you a question and you answer them honestly and say it's coming then, it's not. you're not necessarily saying it's going to be good, but it kind of builds momentum in that way. And then it got there and it was awful. And then... Nico Hulkenberg was like, I want to go back to the old spec. And there was quicker in the old spec than Kevin yeah. in the new spec over the course of the season. I'm just thinking all of the money that they've spent on that and they've got nowhere. And I just wonder where Haas are at the minute. Like, I just feel like they're in a really difficult spot. I think so. If you look at the whole grid, <clears throat> I know we talked about Alpine, but like they're still, like to give them credit, they're, they were what, fifth this year? Whereas Haas, yeah, they look like... A, and also, they, there was sixth, all that... They were sixth. Sorry, sixth, of course they were, because of Aston. Um, but House, you look at them, they, there was all that talk about bringing in two experienced drivers to, to capitalise on having a decent car. You could bring in Hulkenberg, who, fair play, I think had a pretty a, a decent year. I think he's had a good year. I think yeah, was, was good. Out of the two, I'm a big K-Mag fan, but I think Hulkenberg was the stronger of the two. And yet, they had that strong lineup, and then they gave him a car they couldn't really do anything with. So, yeah, it was worrying to see Haas kind of slip into that. And you hope it's not a trend, because in the cost-cap era, it, you feel like individual upgrades now, more than ever... Are so crucial. You don't get multiple bites of the cherry, especially if you're a team like Haas. You've got to make sure that you're taking a big step forward. So for them to have not done it, that that car is obviously the baseline for next year's car. So yeah, it is it is worrying. That's a really good shout actually. I think I think it's a really really good one. And I'm also not sure that a big package is the way to attack a development. Yeah, it might not stra- be. strategy over the course of the year. Like we saw some teams like AlphaTauri, they bought little bits to every race. Alfa Romeo wasn't as successful, but they bought little bits to every race. And I guess you just put pressure on yourself, don't you? Because you bring that set of upgrades that it doesn't work and you don't know which one of those part of the upgrade doesn't work at least if you're bringing little bits it's a little bit harder to re- uh, easier to read but um but yeah people I'm, look at the mclaren one and go but that did work the way but that was a whole car concept change yeah that, that was slightly different wasn't it, it? Yeah, yeah that was um, different well um, i think Haskell trying to do the same they couldn't do it to the same level um and i think it's more that they were like oh well everyone else has gone in this direction it works so we need to go in this direction not that they found that that direction worked for them they yeah. just realized well this is where everyone else is going. We'd better go there too. Franz Toss was saying to me in the last interview I did with him in Abu Dhabi that he, about at the st- <laughs> yeah right okay yeah I'm, well I'm sad he's left. No, um, <laughs> I am. I know. And he was saying that they realised in 2022 that they just got the new regs wrong. So he was like, he went to HR and he was like, I need five new aero people. I need to change things up because it's all wrong. And obviously you have only kind of seen the fruits of that into 2023. 
I think that's what Haas need to do. I think they need to look at the way they approach aero, they approach design. I know they take a lot of bits from Ferrari, but everything they control, just it's not working. They've left it for too long and they just need to sort it out there because otherwise there's going to be in this perennial issue of just having the same misery every Mm. single year. And I'm not sure how long Gene is going to want to hang around. I know he loves racing, but how long is he going to want to hang around? Well, especially especially now, there's all this talk about Andretti, the price he can get for that team. I know he's, I, I'm not saying he's thinking you're saying that. No. Two years down the line, if, if this is still the same thing, he's going to look at that and say, well, the exit has never been better for me financially. He can turn, like, like I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Andretti. He can turn to anyone and be like, if you pay me X amount of money. We heard some crazy valuations of Alpha Tauri that they turned down, you know, for, that Red Bull turned down at the start of the year. You could get huge money for that team. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. They're all looking now as well, aren't they, To the, for that to happen. It's the new Concord needs to be agreed. So you can yeah. see if you actually basically block new teams coming in or you set a really unrealistic target. So the, the best yeah. way to do it is to buy an existing team. But, yeah, that's all to play out. Um, but then I'd also throw as a clanger uh, potential, also because I just like to make uh, Barreto squirm when I talk about F1, uh, uh-huh. but would be the way F1 have handled the Andretti situation in the sense that yeah. Andretti and Cadillac and GM have had an answer to everything. And essentially, it's it just comes down to if F1 don't want them, they have said, we just don't want another team because we make more money this way. They can't say, you don't bring enough of this value or that value or an OEM or anything like that. They've they've got everything as it stands. Like there's, You genuinely do struggle to see how that is a team that is anything other than as strong as any other team on the grid. Aside from <clears throat> it hasn't proven itself as a Formula 1 team, you know, Andretti, but with the backing, with the involvement of everyone, that it yeah it ticks every box and then some uh, but everyone's still having to be like mm, we need to find a reason to say no which yeah. is um yeah i think it's been a bit of a clanger but I what do you think i think everyone's lost yeah control of the narrative but i feel like you guys have got this covered <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got one final one i know lawrence is keen to rap and i'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to get lunch yeah, yeah. well that that as well uh, a nice new year's eve or day lunch after all of our christmas <laughs> yeah, eating exactly this week. Yeah. i have one and i just want you guys to guess when it's from, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it's a bit of a bit of improv acting. Oh yeah, from me, <clears throat> from Mexico, <laughs> Sergio <laughs> Checo Perez it was a big clanger. That was hilarious. It was, that was one of the funniest. That's probably that one of the funniest moment. moments of the year. That was in the fight for moment of the year. Um, Monty's come rushing over, he has. wagging his tail because <laughs> he thought it was so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'm a huge I, fan of it. Look at him. He's I, come and sat by Nate for that. He's like, you've you've spoken my language. You've entertained me. I feel yeah. like I feel like we couldn't finish a review of 2023 without that. If you haven't seen that, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please just type in. Was it's Michael Buffer, isn't it, that did that? No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, Michael what's, Buffer. What's the it was, I can't remember. brother, isn't it? Or the other... Well, Michael Buffer's the main one, though, and it wasn't Michael Buffer. Yeah, it was, it was the other one. There's two of them. Yeah, well, maybe, but it wasn't Michael yeah, Buffer. Okay. I don't Don't-tub know his brother's name. Buffer but... Perez. <laughs> Buffer Perez will be fine. And Perez's reaction to his intro in Vegas is one of the funniest things that's happened before a Formula 1 race. Um, and and just and just the sell he Bruce. Gets. Bruce Buffer, yeah, that's yeah. it. Bruce Buffer. Bruce Ward's the name that's in my head as well, but I didn't want to get that bit wrong. I nearly said Warren Buffer. I nearly said Warren Buffer, but I was thinking <laughs> Warren Buffett. So what definitely wasn't Warren Buffett. Um, I felt for Checo though, just for some clarity, because he just didn't know. Monty's trying to lick my face at the minute, so I'm moving <laughs> further and further away from the mic. He really wants to get either in on this podcast or go for lunch. It's one of the two. But um, he just did, Checo didn't know what he was. Di- what he didn't get told, did he? What he was supposed to do. So he thought he's going to be interviewed, and obviously. 
Buff is just cracking on and like doing his announcements. Is like I'm moving on to the next one. Got to yeah. keep his focus. And Joe Cruz just stood there, <laughs> like looking at him, and he's not getting looked back at <laughs> anymore. Bad it, was like, for him. it was almost like the stare down as well. Just yeah, a there's a moment where they're really close. Like it's almost like it's almost like Buffer's doing a wrestling promo at Perez. Yeah, was like you think you're Sergio Perez, you you ain't nothing. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> and the, the 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 best part of that for me was that I I quite like that every event has a local f- feel to it. Like if you're in America, they go very big on the American stuff. If it's you know wherever they are, events are trying to be local in her. And I know people hate on those intros. But that was the perfect culture clash of big, big American intro, and it just didn't quite work. And I think that as much as I liked it, I'm not sure that those things do work, but it was funny. We, we have got to wrap it up, but I've got to say, we've totally missed the highlight of the year. Absolutely missed it. The live Austin show was absolutely the highlight oh, of the year. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my word. No, that was intentional, guys, wasn't it? We said, <laughs> let's, let's end with the live Austin show. Of course, yeah, that was actually was... A, a, yeah, superb evening. Really impressed with the crowd we had down. It was great to see people down there. Um, it was a great yeah. time. We had a great and time. Kudos for Medland for sorting for that out. Yeah, but no, it wouldn't happen without you. It was um, just great fun. The whole thing was awesome. It was good. And we are hoping to do more of that next year, right? Like yes. We wanna, and we'll give it a bit more sell. We have three US opportunities. Um, so yeah, we'll hopefully do that more. But yeah, yeah, great, great call. And we'll it, see if we can make these pods a little bit more regular than one a month as well, every now and then. But... We've we've been busy as, as it was mentioned. Like Nate went on holiday after Vegas. I went on honeymoon. Beretto yeah. went to Venice to <laughs> work. What we should have done is when we did the episode just before Christmas at Medlin's house, mm. we should have filmed. A we should have recorded. Ago. Yeah, we should have recorded two episodes that day <laughs> yeah. to yeah. store them. So so like almost like we had one in the can for now, and then it means that we know. I mean, that's just that's just oh. learning for us. Yeah, it's really. a good idea, though. Got to yeah, be better. We've got to be better. But if we'd have done that, we'd have been hungry and wouldn't have got to lunch, would we? That's true. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I like doing it like this on Zoom, where Monty somehow is able to yeah. transverse the uh, the screen. But that's a good one for us in future to do. Double stack. Oh, F1 chat. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's not going to get any better than that. So let's, yeah. g- let's yeah, call it, it quits. Um, chaps, what a 2023 it's been. It's been an absolute pleasure. Final week was the best week as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up the town. You know, I still believe in you or I'm hyped for us going up. E- either or. Well, I'll see you guys. I'm going to move straight on. I'll see, <laughs> <laughs> move, see you guys in 2024. And we hope to hear and see a lot of you guys next year at one of our live shows or listen to us across all podcast channels, wherever you listen to it. Please also follow us on at the Padhock on all social media channels. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com, Medicine's work on Mesa.com and my work on F1.com. And we'll do this again in 2024. Say bye, Monty. Network.